Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 295 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Jen Ratner. Jen lives in Westchester, New York, where she is a stay-at-home mom of two boys, 9 and 11. Welcome, Jen. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Well, it's super glad to have you here today, and we are living in two different worlds. Y'all are there having a snowstorm, and we are here having a 77-degree day. I'd rather be in your climate. (laughs) Well, I have to admit, I'm pretty happy with my climate. (laughs) My husband and I always talk about where are we retiring? Uh-huh. Well, you know what? A lot of people from New York and other parts of up around your area come down here to the, the Myrtle Beach area. Yes. So 
you know, you we're, come we're down beach and babes. We, yeah. we don't do any winter sports, no skiing, no, my kids don't even own boots or snow pants. Oh, that's really funny. But they own 25 <laughs> bathing suits. Love it. That y'all are my kind of people. Well, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? I hemmed and hawed over how to answer this. And I think the story is just, it's a very long story as most of your, okay. your podcasts are. Um, I think the simplest place to start would be December, 2018. It was Hanukkah and my mom was hosting a Hanukkah brunch at her apartment for my whole family. We, I'm one of four kids. I'm the youngest, but I have nieces and nephews galore. And so there were probably, you know, 16 of us at my mom's house and it, the typical, you know, Hanukkah brunches, bagels, cream cheese, lox, tuna, whitefish, hollow French toast, everything. And I ate it. And afterwards I spent about two hours in the bathroom. Oh no. And I finally said to myself, I cannot live this way. My stomach was a mess. And we have a very long history of lactose intolerance in my family. My dad was lactose intolerant, um, but yet still drank a glass of milk every morning with breakfast just because he had a habit and liked it and then spent time in the bathroom. My brother is severely lactose intolerant. It's just genetic. Yeah, well, it really is. I've read an estimate that about 75% of the world is lactose intolerant based on genetics. Yes. Yeah. And I kind of knew it, but you don't really want to accept it because- right. Bagel with cream cheese is delicious. And it is delicious. Dairy is fabulous. It's amazing. Yeah. And fresh homemade mozzarella. Like there's just things that I wasn't willing to acknowledge. And after that moment, I said enough is enough. And I really wasn't able to identify whether it was the dairy or it was the gluten because so often those two products go together. And so what I did for about a year and a half was I cut out, I'd say 99% of dairy and gluten from my diet. I just said to myself, you have to give your body, your gut, your bowels, your stomach, your skin, your everything a rest. And I did that. And I was super, super, super stringent and very, very diligent with my eating. Thankfully, in another lifetime, I was a chef. Um, so I love cooking and I'm a foodie. So I spent that year and a half really exploring different types of ways to cook and different products and different ingredients that didn't have dairy and didn't have gluten. And my body calmed down. And once my body kind of calmed down, I joined Orange Theory Fitness. And I was going every day. I'd say in that first year-ish, I lost about 20 pounds. Just from the dairy and the gluten? And the inflammation. I mean, like, I don't think our society understands how inflammatory those foods are when you're continuously eating them on top of one another throughout the day. Well, yeah, especially when you're eating anything that's not good for your body. You know, not everybody is going to have the same same issues with dairy and gluten, but if they are inflammatory for you, 
and you're eating them all day long. Also, on top of the the inflammatory, just standard American diet in general, yeah, constant inflammation is is not good for us at all. Right. So I'm joining Orange Theory, and there's two of my friends who are in the class who are doing this at this point. This is kind of like December 2019, maybe 29. Yeah, that's what and I was guessing. Two of these women friends that I'm doing the class with casually mentioned before the class starts that they're fasting. And I'm like, oh my God, like, how do you, how do you do orange theory fasted? Like, I mean, I am dripping with sweat. I am shaking on the treadmills. Like when they say to you, you know, go all out, go all out. And I'm like thinking to myself, how are these two women fasting? This is ridiculous. I would pass out. Not for me. And they did it. Um, I think they did it in preparation for like a... Um, like a holiday trip for the season. And I didn't really think too much of it. I was just like, not for me, can't do it, need my breakfast. And then all of a sudden we're in March, 2020, and I'm still going to Orange Theory five days a week. These two friends are still in class with me. They're no longer fasting, but they had remarkable results, but I still wasn't connecting the dots. And the pandemic hits. And March 12th was my kid's last day at school. My younger one was in kindergarten. My older one was in third grade. And now I'm home. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't get to Orange Theory. I'm now homeschooling. What am I going to do? And by the time I got them set up with school, by the time I got them breakfast, by the time I got everything, it was 11 o'clock. And I still hadn't had my cup of coffee yet. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm exhausted. So I'd have my cup of coffee and then we would all sit down and have lunch together. But I thought to myself, I'm not eating breakfast. I thought that I was going to fall apart, get a migraine, get the shakes if I wasn't eating breakfast. Hmm, this is kind of interesting. And as the homeschooling goes on and on, because my kids did not return from March to June, I just kind of started with lunch. And we took a lot of time and energy into what we were going to make for dinner because groceries were really difficult to get. Yes, they were, weren't they? Oh my God. The thought process, you had to like wipe everything down and oh yeah. Yeah. But I involved my boys and we really started to look at ingredients together and we would do taste tests. That was really, really fun for them different types of meat. I introduced them to lamb. I introduced them to like a pork loin. I tried to sneak a little bit of fish in there and we made it a family activity because we were a family home together. And once school started in September, my school district did an AM cohort and a PM cohort. So all the kids were in school five days a week, but you either went kind of like from like 8.30 to 11.30, or you went like 12 to 3, some kind of variation. And my kids were in the afternoon cohort. So they homeschooled in the morning. So once again, I was with them and I started my day with lunch. And we, I was kind of on two meals a day. I kind of started eating at like 12, and then we would have dinner sometime around 6.30, and then I would stop. But I didn't really know what I was doing was intermittent fasting. And I wasn't putting a name to it. I knew that there was something going on. And I knew that 
while they were at school, I needed to get some exercise, but Orange Theory was still closed at this point. All the gyms were still closed in New York. New York was like one of the last places to reopen. So I was walking and I needed something to do. And I'm looking for podcasts and I'm looking for books. And I came across intermittent fasting stories and I came across the obesity code. And I listened to the obesity code for those three hours that they were in school. And it probably took me like four days. And I said, oh my God. (laughs) What I'm doing has a name. It's a real thing. And it has science behind it. I, before, before my younger one was born, I taught high school math in New York City for 10 years. And I am a math and science person. I am very, very black and white. I'm very rational. I like data. Mm -hmm. And I'm listening to him and I'm thinking to myself, this is it. This is it. All of those years, you know, that I was so afraid of getting a migraine because I wasn't eating breakfast. And here I am eating very little for lunch because I really wasn't hungry even for lunch. But I was doing it because I was supposed to with the boys. And then we were eating dinner together. And I'm like, wait a second. So I started pushing it and I started pushing it. And to be honest with you, I really believe that the year and a half that I cut out dairy and gluten, at that point, I was still dairy and gluten free. But I believe Mm -hmm. I did a lot of like internal healing. Probably. If if they were inflammatory for your body and you cut them out, I would bet you so. Yeah. And when I was able to start just starting with lunch and then eventually pushing it, my body received it so incredibly well because it was healthier than it was a year and a half prior and it was cleaner mm-hmm. and it was ready to receive the science behind it. And from that day forward, from about October, 2020, I was on generally speaking, 20 hours fasted, four hours eating. So you finally knew you were an intermittent faster after literally about a year of doing it. Yes. Yes. That's funny. I love that. So you're like, I'm doing it. I didn't know I was doing it. Now I'm officially doing it. Yes. And when the boys weren't in school, we went on hikes. We found, I found other ways to get, to be active. I've always liked to be active, but I found that intermittent fasting gave me such energy and such clarity. And I wanted I was excited to push my body to new heights, literally and figuratively, you know, on those mountains. We, you know, we hiked some like 300 miles that school year of, you know, 2020 into 2021. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And I slowly, I'd say in the, by the end of like 2022-ish, slowly started adding a little bit of gluten and dairy back just to see how my body would respond. I definitely do better with a little bit of dairy now than I do with gluten. Okay. I will say that, you know, I can have a few crackers. I can do all that. But if it's in a larger quantity, my stomach still feels very gurgly, feels very distended, Mm -hmm. and I get inflamed. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. 
Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So it's bloaty. It makes you feel bloated. It the does. does. Yeah. Yeah. But you can trust your body with that, you know, absolutely. And thankfully, gluten doesn't bother me. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm happy about that. But I did, I did discover that I, I think I would feel, I'm, I'm a little puffier from dairy. Like I did a 60 day experiment where I didn't have any dairy at all. And I could feel a difference in my face, but it's not like crazy. Like you're probably not looking at me, looking at me thinking, wow, Jen's so puffy. But well, you it, notice it in yourself. That's I do. I notice it. And I think that doing intermittent fasting has really made me attuned to my own body. Right. If somebody on one of your previous podcasts said, before you eat, ask yourself, why are you eating? Why are you, why do you have this urge? Why do you have this sensation? Is it boredom? Is it thirst? Is it actual hunger? Is it sadness? Is it anxiety? And that clicked. That really resonated with me. And, and since then, there are definitely days I could tell where like I open up my window and I'm like, let's do it. Like, let's put everything in. <laughs> yeah. And then there's other times where I'm like, no, you know what? Like, let's go run an errand or let's go play catch with the boys or let me have, you know, some more seltzer. But that listening to your body really was an eye opener. And it, it's yeah. so common sense. I mean, it is. And our bodies send us powerful messages. And then you still get to decide. Like I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, so dairy makes me a little puffier than when I don't have dairy. What are the trade-offs? Well, Having no dairy ever again for the rest of my life, that's a challenge. And I realized when eating out, it was hard. And I'm like, all right, I've chosen. You know, I'm clean-ish. I'll be puffy-ish if I need to be, right? But it's all about, about responding to, you know, how you feel, but also how you're willing to live. Correct. I am, you know, with young kids and my husband and I are foodies and we're incredibly social. Uh, my Both my boys play on travel baseball teams and we travel 
you know, we've gone down to Ripken in Maryland. This summer, we're going up to Cooperstown to play in the Cooperstown tournament. And oh, wow. we're very, very social and active people. If I'm in a situation, like last Wednesday, my younger one had a baseball party at a brewery. And there were the kids did like a laser tag and arcade and the adults kind of ate and drank. And it was a brewery. So I had beer. Was I a little bit puffier the following day? Yes. Did I feel like my skin was like a little bit redder? Yes. But I compensated and I still stayed within my window. Right. And I drank a little extra water before I went to bed. And I drank a little extra water the following day. But I'm not willing to live in a shoebox. I'm not willing to say I am not doing anything social because I'm fasting. It has to be a yin and a yang. And also, you mentioned that prior to intermittent fasting, like December 2018, that that um, holiday brunch that you had with your family, yep. you had a lot of stomach issues. Yes. How, have those cleared up over time? Very much so. Very See, much that's so. the thing. Like I talked about, like I'm willing to be a little puffy, but I wouldn't be willing to have bad stomach aches or, yeah. or huge bloating. See, I don't have any bloating. I don't have any stomach aches unless I eat those fries, you know, fried food from certain places. So I don't eat those things. Exactly. But if you're not having pain, that that's a big, big no. difference. And I, I crave the good food. I crave yeah. the food that I am cooking. I crave spinach, salads, broccoli, really high quality fish. I don't necessarily crave to sit down and eat a, eat a thing of fries or onion rings. If I'm a place and my husband says to me, oh my God, babe, these onion rings are like the best we've ever had. I'll take a bite. Yeah. But I don't have to eat the basket anymore. Right. I would rather fill up on the vegetables and the proteins. Yeah. That's so true. And it's hard to explain to people who don't get it yet. Or and maybe maybe you'll always want to eat you know, onion rings or fries, but sometimes you'll feel, Mm -hmm. you'll understand, you'll realize, huh, some of those things that used to call to me no longer do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I've kind of instilled that in my kids. Yeah. And we menu plan and they are very attuned to what makes their body best on the basketball court or best in the classroom. What do they need to eat for lunch at school? What do they need to eat for dinner before a game to make their body feel maximized and optimized? And those are conversations that I don't know that I would have had if I hadn't figured out my own well-being first. See, I love that. At 9 and 11, they're already equipped with understanding how food makes them feel. And if they're going to be playing sports, they want to feel energetic. They want to be able to run. They don't want to feel draggy and blah. And they're already understanding the connection between what they're eating and how they feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. We talk a lot about digestion. We talk a lot about what time should we eat before the game to make our body feel good so we don't get a cramp. And we talk about all those things in, in a very, very healthy manner. You know, that just made me laugh a little bit when you said getting a cramp. Because remember when we were young, I don't know if they're still telling kids this, like you couldn't go swimming Swimming. for an hour or you'd get a cramp. And I'm like, why is it that we were so worried about getting a cramp while swimming, but nobody ever said, don't eat and then run. I mean, (laughs) exactly, exactly. What was it about swimming? We were so concerned, like we're going to get a cramp in our stomach and drown. I don't know. know. Right. In the middle (laughs) of the lake. I don't know. Yeah. 
in Yiddish, we call that like a bubba maitza. It's like a folk tale. In Yiddish, it's bubba maitza. So, so it's like something your grandmother would say just to right. keep you on land. That makes sense. But they sure did warn us all about not eating before swimming or we'd get a cramp. But Absolutely. No other time were we worried about cramps other than yes. <laughs> Well, I love, like I said, that your kids are involved in the meal plan. They seem like they're adventurous eaters. Is that true? So one of the best things about the pandemic was the fact that we really sat down and we got cookbooks and we read cookbooks and we did taste tests. We always ate a lot of meat. They are definitely steak and burger and ribs kind of kids, but we started adding in pork loin. Mm -hmm. We started adding in short ribs, slow cooked short ribs. And we would do, you know, I would get two pots and we would do kind of like a red wine braised short ribs and we would do, you know, more of a barbecue short ribs and we would taste test. And we would talk about different flavors. Hmm, this one, I like this flavor. This one is a little bit too sweet. This one's a little bit too spicy. And so I gave them choice and I gave them authority. And now menu planning is easy because they say, oh, remember when you made this? Or, oh yeah, I didn't really like this. Or this was great. Or can you tone down the spice next time in this one? And you give them choices and it empowers hundred percent. I don't know if you've read Cleanish, but I talk about that in Cleanish and the part about letting your kids help steer the, the, the menu planning, like you said. Yes. They don't like going to the grocery store. I will admit they find that a chore, but they love it. I mean, like the little mini peppers that you eat right off of the, um, like the, off the stem, not the spicy ones, yeah. the sweet ones. Yesterday they ate a whole bag of them, just like after school. Um, <laughs> like it was like a candy. Love. Yeah. Yum. We have really empowered them to make choices. Um, this past December, we went to Turks and Caicos, and my older one tried coconut crusted grouper and loved it. Absolutely loved it. And so I came home and I tried making coconut crusted. We don't have grouper up here in New York. But I made like, I think like a tilapia or something, some other white, white fish. And he loved it. And okay. it was like, you tried it. You didn't think you were going to like it. But now world's open to you because you're open-minded. Yeah, I think that's great. And, you know, my kids were not open-minded growing up, and that probably had a lot to do with me and the way I was not open-minded growing up either. And, you know, I, I developed a palate for ultra-processed foods. But, you know, if I could go back differently, I could go back and do things differently, I absolutely would with the kids. And I love, I love that you're doing it from the beginning. I think that healthy habits really do start at home. My husband and I grew up in very, very different households. I grew up in a household where dinner was dinner and you ate it or you didn't. And I was eating lobster on the beach from two years old. And I was, yeah. it was, I was eating fish and meat and stews. And sometimes when my mom and dad were out at meetings and dinner was a tuna fish sandwich, it just, mm -hmm. it was what it was or scrambled eggs. Whereas my husband grew up eating meat and potatoes, oftentimes from like a, a takeout or like a diner or whatnot. And he had no choice in his meals. He had no exposure to different flavors. And that was really important to me, especially as I kind of cleaned up my diet and cleaned up my act. I wanted to replace some of those processed things in my diet with flavors and spice and interesting foods and vegetables. And I wanted my kids to have that as well. 
Yeah, I think that's so important. You know, I was I was allowed to be a picky eater and never went beyond the the you know the palate of the ultra processed foods. So let's talk about about weight loss. You talked about when you first started with the stopped eating gluten and dairy, but this right. is before intermittent fasting. You lost about twenty pounds. Right. What happened when you introduced intermittent fasting? Did you need to lose any weight at the time? Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> so so this is so here. I'll take you back a little bit further. Okay. So I was, I'm about five, seven and a half. Okay. So, and I've been five, seven and a half since I was in fifth grade. Wow. I went through puberty super early. I was always the tall girl and that was really awkward. And I didn't struggle necessarily with weight in elementary, middle school or high school, but I just was always the tallest. So you're self-conscious because you were different. Any kind of being different feels like you stick out, right? I get it. I mean, I had, you know, double D boobs in middle school. Wow. Yeah, that's hard. It was very hard. Once I got to college, um, I definitely did the freshman 15. And then in, on sophomore year and junior year, I lived in apartments and I came home summer after junior year. And my mom looked at me and was like, what happened? I had been living on, I don't know if you have it in the South, Jimmy John's subs. We do have Jimmy John's. Yeah. So I was living on a number six from Jimmy John's. (laughs) What's the number six? It's a vegetarian one, which is so funny. I know it sounds healthy, right? Well, they they had the best avocado spread. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. If you're a junior in college, you don't know. You're like, I'm eating a vegetarian sub. It must be good for me. Exactly. (laughs) It was across the street from my apartment. Right. So I'm eating that. My now my husband and I met when we were 18. So, you know, weekends we're going out to the bars. He's whining and dining me. And I came home and I had gained about 40 pounds. And my mom was like, let's do this together. So we did South Beach and it worked miracles. Absolutely worked miracles. I had an internship in the city in New York city that summer. And uh, I was living with my husband, then boyfriend, now husband. And I kept up with it, South beach. And I did South beach all through senior year of college. And I'd say I probably took off those 40 pounds. So I looked good. I have no idea what I weighed. I do have some pictures from senior year, spring break, where I was like, wow, I look hot. Like this looks good. I never did South Beach. I remember it, seeing it around. It just seemed kind of complicated. Was it kind of kind of? It was. There's different phases. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was like, too hard. Can't do. <laughs> it, I mean, the basic premise is low carb. Right. It's, real food too. Is it an emphasis on real food? Yes. Maybe I don't yes, know. Yes, okay. yes. 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 But it is lowish carb, right? Yes. Okay. You were allowed like I certain types of pita, uh, pita pocket things but basically keeping it low carb. And I did great on it. And it was, you know, senior year of college, I was once again in an apartment. So I was cooking for myself and I wasn't eating dorm food. So like I had the ability to make those choices when I went to the market. Yeah. And then graduate and I enter the classroom and grad school and gained a little bit of weight back, but then got engaged and lost weight for the wedding and then had two kids and gained so much weight. My 
younger son's preschool graduation picture, which was probably 2017, is horrifying to look at. Do you know what you weighed at that time? Do you? So I, I don't know at that point, but I know that my highest was 235. Okay. So I'm now 160. So okay. I've lost 75 pounds. That's awesome. I know you feel so much better. So much better. I look at that preschool graduation picture and I am absolutely horrified. I look at pictures of me, you know, on vacation and it's disgusting. And we're beach people. We own a beach. Well, you just, you know, things happen. The the weight comes on. And I don't know. I was one of those people that didn't really see it in the mirror. And you may have been like that too. And I didn't realize how large I was getting until I looked at the photos. It was the photos that did that for me. And, And, you know, I knew I felt bad in my body. I knew I couldn't paint my own toenails. I knew I couldn't get up off the floor. And I knew that I had to buy bigger, stretchier clothes. But I didn't realize until I saw the photos. And then I didn't recognize myself. Somehow I always recognized myself in the mirror, but not in the photos. Well, in the mirror, you can walk away. Yeah. It can, it, it can be erased from your vision. It can be erased from your eyesight because you walk away from the mirror. When you're looking at a photograph, it's there in front of you. Yeah. You cannot walk away. It is not going to magically disappear. It's not, you know, what is that? Like the Etch-A-Sketch? If you, if you shake, shake it, it enough, it, the yeah, image disappears. It goes away. <laughs> That's it's exactly not an etch right. So when you started intermittent fasting, do you know how much you weighed around that time? At that point, so my highest on that December Hanukkah uh, was 235. At that mm-hmm. point, I was probably about 220, 215-ish. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of you, you and a lot of your guests also talk about your body set weight. I think my body likes being here, 160. I wish it would go lower, but it, I'm not willing to fight my body anymore. I felt like I fought my body for so many years, like putting all the crap in that I wanted to eat for the sake of eating rather than eating for the sake of fueling and nourishing my body that I'm not willing to fight it anymore. I stay active we hike a ton. My 40th birthday is actually coming up in March. And my husband knows that if there's no snow on the ground, I want to go for like an eight mile hike. Awesome. Would you say that your body is leaner now at 160 than it had been in the past thanks to body recomposition? Oh my God. Completely different. Completely different. I'm a walk. I do all my meetings. I'm the busiest volunteer that there ever was in my school district. They're glad to have you. I'm just going to say that as a, as a past teacher, thank you to all the amazing volunteers. But I do all of my meetings and all my calls while walking. I bundle up, you know, I get my hat, my scarf, my boots, my everything, and I do it walking. Could I be more muscular if I weight trained? Yes. Mm-hmm. But that's not really my, it's not my priority. I movement, the ease and the joy that I get from movement is my priority. I get that. I'm the same way. I'm not somebody who enjoys weight training. 
I enjoy walking. I enjoy walking on the beach. I walked on the beach today for, for 30 minutes this morning, and I'll probably walk again this afternoon. And it just feels good to move. Yes. And get outside. Now, you said you bundled up and, and did it. I am have a harder time when it's cold. <laughs> yes. Well, your cold and my cold are two very different things as well. You're right. <laughs> Look, you're a beach person. You understand when it's cold at the beach and the wind is coming off the ocean, it's a different kind of cold, right? Yes. My excuse. Yes. I'm going to stick with it. But um, the body recomposition is, is real. I am leaner. Um, I am... I, I am I am slimmer in areas that I even didn't target. Like my right. my face has slimmed down. My clavicle has slimmed down. I mean, you can't work out your clavicle. Right. My arms are slimmer. Just everything is kind of elongated just through the process. Yeah. I, I think that's important to know. Like we may have an idea in our heads of what weight we think we want to see, but then your body is so different. You may find that you have the body size that you wanted at a higher weight than you were expecting. Thanks yes. to that body recomposition. I try so you were going to gonna say something back. about your skin. Well, oh, well, I would try to think back what I weighed at my wedding or at that, you know, senior year spring break. And I truly don't remember, but I also know that I'm not the same person. I'm turning 40, you know, and, and you've had two kids. I've had two kids. Everything is just kind of different, and I don't think it's productive for me to live wishing for an image or a lifestyle that was when I was 21. Yeah. It's not realistic. That's not my life. That's not, I don't want to live in the past. Um, I want to live looking forward and acknowledging that fasting until, generally speaking, 4 or 5 p.m. every day works for me. It's it, My body feels great. I have more energy. My skin is clearer. My eczema on the back of my arms and on my face went away. My sleep is better. Uh, and my, my body just moves better. Yeah, that really is true. The, the being able to move however you want to and sit how you want to, like I'm sitting cross-legged in my chair. I can sit on the floor. I can sit on my knees. I can do whatever. And I couldn't do that when I weighed 210 pounds. We, I can ride roller coasters with my kids. I can boogie board with my kids. Yeah. And we, we just went to Turks and Caicos and we did this little, it's called a love buggy. It is a tiny red go-kart <laughs> where they take you all around the island to see all of the historical places and some of these nooks and crannies that you really can't get to by larger vehicle and that the island is just too big to do it on foot. So on the way there, I had my younger son with me. And on the way back, I had my older son. We was treated. But it's this tiny, tiny, tiny little go-kart. And you're super low to the ground. And you're squeezed in there. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able yeah. to do it at 235 pounds. It would have been uncomfortable. Yeah. That just, you know, that moment for me, my rock bottom was that that cruise, you know, then in um, 2014, that spring break cruise, how uncomfortable I was doing the activities trying to climb the stairs, trying to walk around. And and that was really the moment I'm like, I don't want to feel like this. I want to be able to hop in the go, the go-kart and not worry that my body won't fit into it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not afraid to go into situations anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know that I would have admitted to myself or to anyone previously that I was afraid, but I was. Right. Well, because we're at a point where I don't know. The whole idea of obesity is so complicated because it's almost like now 
the the mindset is, well, it is what it is. You're just going to be obese. Everybody's just going to be obese. Just accept that you're obese and be happy with being obese. But it doesn't feel good, right? And so, you know, we don't want anyone to feel sh- ashamed. And so there's that whole dilemma. You know, we, we want people to be positive about their body and love their body. And I love my 210-pound body for taking care of me the way that it did when I was putting in the wrong foods all day long. And I didn't know better, but I feel so much better now moving through the day. I also don't know, I'm kind of, I don't know if it's the teacher in me or parent in me or just kind of my life circumstances, but I think sometimes you have to hit rock bottom to know that it's bottom and to know that when you come out of it, wherever you are, is such a better place than where you were previously. And we don't have to settle for the media telling us, well, everyone's just going to be obese now. It's all genetic. Because that was like, what was it, 2020 or something had something not that long ago where they're like, we've decided obesity is genetic. Right. So we're just going to give you all drugs now. I'm like, wait a minute though. No, (laughs) there's a lot that's changing. We can do a lot of things. Exactly. To be healthier without, you don't need to take drugs. No, (laughs) not at all. Not at all. And, you know, I look back, yes, yes, there's a genetic component to our body's shape and size. You can look back and see, you might look just like your great grandma or whatever. You know, we, we definitely have, you know, genetic factors of, you know, our faces shaped, how tall we got, our eye color, all of those things. But genetics didn't suddenly change in the past 20 years to the point that, you know, what is it, 40% of people are obese now? Right. It didn't. And I think that it takes a lot of inner strength. Yeah. And I think it takes a lot of communication and um, I don't know that every culture or, or part of society is really willing to have those hard conversations and willing to admit that something they're doing is either not productive or not healthy or not serving them well. Well, and it's also, there's just a lot of the, the whole going shopping. If you're someone with food insecurity, for example, yeah. And you're going to go shopping at the grocery store. The cheaper food is is the food that's been subsidized and it's processed food. You know, getting the organic grass-fed meat is is a luxury for people who can afford that. And that is where the problem lies. You can buy cheap food. You can buy all the cheap processed food because it's been subsidized, but it's making us unhealthy in the long run. So it's, you know, you're going to then have health issues. I mean, I was eating all that ultra processed stuff all the time and I don't know how we fix it. The, the, The solution is not more drugs. It's more real food. Correct. Especially now, I mean, I... Or maybe know. less real food for part of the day. <laughs> well, it, it's right. It's, you know, you go to the grocery store now and, I mean, my eggs are ridiculous. My, right. my you know, lactose-free organic milk is ridiculous. Yeah. It's so expensive. Um, and my husband and I talk about that. And I do remind the boys all the time that we are very fortunate yeah. to be in a financial place that we are where I am able to give them many decisions. And I am, we are able to have that conversation. That is a luxury that is not automatic for everyone in this country or in this world. You know, the fact that I can, you know, say, okay, tonight we have basketball. We're going to eat this before the game and we're going to eat this after the game, or this is what I'm going to bring you to the baseball game because you can eat it on the bench and it's going to give you some good protein. And then this Mm -hmm. is what we'll have after the game. Not everyone has that 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 luxury or that ability. 
Well, it's true. You know, I did some volunteering with with one of my sons who had some volunteering he needed to do. Let's just put it that way. Back <laughs> in between freshman year and sophomore year of college, and okay, it was Will. I'm just going to say because I don't want anybody to be like, "Was that cow?" No, it wasn't. But he needed to do a little volunteering, so we volunteered at the food pantry. And as a supportive mom, I went with him. And the food that was available at the food pantry was was all ultra processed. I mean, it was all packaged because it you know stayed fresh. And I guess that's what shelf stable exactly. And so it really opened my eyes. I mean, there was no fresh food there. Yep. So I don't know how we do you better. Know, that's interesting in the South as well because you would think that you have the ability to grow. Farmers have the ability to grow more fresh food down south than they would necessarily up north here. I think that's sad. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yeah, the food pantry really had sad. canned goods, boxed goods, yeah, all that. Taking kids to farms, taking kids, you know, one of the other things that we really noticed in Turks and Caicos, you know, my older one has lactose sensitivity and, and I still, you know, am not indulging in it. There's no dairy in the Caribbean. Oh, really? No. And this was really interesting. I actually texted a lot of my family members that, that there's really very little dairy. And my nephew, who's like 27 years old, reminded me that refrigeration was an issue down there for quite some while and, you know, power inconsistencies. And so they ate what they grew. Fascinating. I never thought about that before. So if someone is, is dairy-free, it'd be a lot easier to do that in the Caribbean. We never, I mean, I brought lactate pills up the wazoo. We never touched them. Yeah. And I'm also thinking, you know, cows on those islands, they probably didn't have the cows anyway. Everything is freshly grown. Everything. The fruit is abundant. The vegetables are abundant. And it's just a healthier way of life. Yeah, I think so. And probably the people who were living on those islands also genetically lactose intolerant. I really do think that where our ancestors lived, if we go all the way back, that that says a lot about the foods that that may be right for your body. Mm-hmm. If you go back, you know, I'm not talking about to great grandma, but I'm talking way back to where your ancestors lived for generations. Yep. 
I don't know that our bodies are naturally accustomed to dairy in the in the quantities that our society eats. Yeah, it's so if cool. it happened. Based on what I, the research I've done, the 25% of the, the world population that genetically adapted to dairy, it has to do with lactase, the enzyme that your body uses to process the dairy. And in most people, that shuts off after infancy. When you start eating real food, you're no longer having having milk from your mom. So the 25% of us became lactase persistent meaning our body kept making it because we needed to digest those dairy proteins because we lived somewhere where that was a big part of our diet. So, yeah, I, I'm glad to be part of those <laughs> part of that 25%. But again, that doesn't mean it doesn't make me puffy. But that's just fascinating. So you talked about some of your non-scale victories already. Are there any others that you haven't mentioned or did you say them all? I'd say the energy. I wake up in the morning and I'm ready to go. It drives my husband crazy because on weekends I'm like, let's get out of bed. Come on, let's go. What are we doing? What are we doing? You know, I drink my black coffee. That was a super easy switch for me. Good. I drink my coffee black. I have a soda stream. I drink my seltzer. I mean, my kids know I never leave home. This literally 40 ounces goes everywhere with me. When we're on hikes, I have one that closes. I know every single bathroom in the tri-state area <laughs> because I drink so much water. Yeah. Also, I think we have to go to the bathroom more often in the fasted state. I never thought about that till someone said something to me about it. And I guess in the community, they're like, do you have to go to the bathroom more often if you're fasting? Um, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever thought about that. But then I started paying attention and it's true. When I open my eating window, I no longer am having to run to the bathroom as much. And I think it has to do with our digestive system using a lot of fluid. Interesting. To process to food. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're when we're digesting food, we need more fluid because our digestive system needs a lot of fluid. But when we're in the fasted state, our body doesn't need all that fluid. So it goes right through us. That's my theory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, makes sense. Well, I remember when I read The Warrior Diet years and years ago, Ori Hoffmeckler's book, The Warrior Diet, he, he talked about... He would stop eating. He had like a four-hour eating period every night, and he would stop eating when he started to get really thirsty. And that just stuck with me. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Interesting. I get very very thirsty when I get migraines. Very, very thirsty. Your body needs that fluid somehow. Anyway, just a little little side note there. But you've got your water, and you're going to the bathroom because your body doesn't need it. It's just cycling it through. Exactly. (laughs) My eczema has gone away. I would say I sit more comfortably. The belly bloat is just not there. It's more comfortable to sit places. My joints don't hurt. I had plantar fasciitis. Um, That is gone. I don't know if that's, you know, because of fasting or the weight loss or probably both. The energy, and I think the mental clarity, you know, everything, it just seems easier. Yeah. It seems easier to move through the day. For always, not just physically because we're, we're in a smaller body, but it just everything, it seems like everything is just not a big deal. Correct. Except when my kids, you know, bring home bad grades or whatnot, those things oh. are still bad deals. <laughs> well, get ready. Yeah. At 9 and 11, you had not yeah. seen it yet. <laughs> my brother I'm used gonna... to say to me, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. It's true, as I mentioned before with our community service that we were doing. <laughs> 
he was doing. I was there <laughs> just to help help him go the first day. Anyway, also saw a good friend of mine son there too. <laughs> and I was like, all right, people come home from college with more than just yes. stories. Yes. <laughs> Anyhow, but just wait. You'll have so much joy and there'll be those moments. <laughs> yep. I uh, yep. But you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything, right? Not at all. Not at all. But I, I also think, you know, I go back to my ability to be present in my own body has really helped my parenting. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely think so. In terms of food choices for them, but it also in terms of like teaching them about their body and I have more patience. I think it's just been a, a holistic, positive experience. I don't view it as a diet. I don't right. view it as a chore. I absolutely love planning our dinners. I love it. I take such pride in what I serve to my family, what I serve my own body. And when we have people over, you know, some people are like, oh goodness, you know, you have company again. To me, it's my greatest joy. I love cooking for people. I love entertaining. And I take the opportunity to impart my love of food and love of quality food and quality recipes on the people that I'm going to share it with. So are you teaching your boys to cook? My older one loves to bake. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of my goals, and we just haven't had the, uh, found the time, is to, I want to get them like a knife skills class. Oh, yeah. Uh, we just haven't had the time for that because school and sports and Hebrew school, and my older one is now prepping for his bar mitzvah next year. So oh. things are just like chaotic. But that is one of my goals. I think it's really important. You know, like I said, my husband grew up really differently. He still to this day, cannot cook anything besides like scrambled eggs. Oh no, I get it. Like, Chad was helping me cook for a little while and I was just like watching him. I'm like, what are you doing over there? <laughs> he needed a little instruction. Yes. My older one loves being in the kitchen and will always offer to help. And you know, the pandemic sucked, but I yeah. will say the one thing that really came out of it was their appreciation and awareness of food. And we went on that journey together. Yeah, I think that's that's so powerful, so important. I think a lot of us found that we got a new appreciation for family, and really just the ability to go to the grocery store or go to Orange Theory or, or you know whatever it is we wanted to do. We we now appreciate the ability to do all those things. Absolutely. And so did you ever go back to Orange Theory, or are you done after the pandemic? I didn't. I really enjoy walking. I walk with a backpack. Ditto. Yeah. I really enjoy listening to books. I enjoy listening to the podcasts. I enjoy having a destination and a goal. My mom laughs at me that I go to the grocery store every day. And it's true because I carry my groceries on my back and I like to see, you know, what's the weather? Am I grilling tonight? Am I roasting a chicken? What am I doing? And I like to have a destination. Um, And I do that in between my meetings. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I also just think it's incredibly expensive. And with life right now <laughs> and two boys who are getting yep, older. Yeah, spend the money on extra good food, right? Exactly. I just don't, I don't need it in the same way as I did when I was 75 pounds heavier. You always say like intermittent fasting is free. You don't need anything to do it. You just need to commit to it. I feel as if I'm more confident in that endeavor than needing or necessitating like a 
an Orange Theory type gym, which is fat. I love Orange Theory. Right. It's true though. We, you know, before intermittent fasting, we're all in the eat less, move more mindset, most of us. And so we're like, well, eating less is hard, but I can move more. I can definitely move more. And we we think that's going to give us, you know, the weight loss. And it, it so often does not. Correct. You know, moving more is good for us, you know, like you and I both enjoy, but we're moving in ways that are free. Exactly. Exactly. And moving in ways that are multi-purpose. I, you know, I'm learning through podcasts. I'm learning through books. I mean, I have a list of books that I read, you know, since, you know, 2020. And I, it's, some of it's fiction, some of it's nonfiction. I'm learning. I, as a teacher, I love learning as I'm sure you do as well. Absolutely. But I like to multitask. Yeah. And I, to be honest, some workouts are just a little boring. (laughs) Whereas walking is not, especially like you said, if you're listening. Right. Absolutely. So you're about a four hour eating window. That's, that's what you do. Yes. Um, there are some days where it's literally one meal. Um, and there are some days where it's a snack while I'm making dinner and then it's a sit down meal with my, with my family. We really do prioritize a sit down dinner, whether it's five nights a week, four nights a week that when we sit down and do our Sunday family meeting, we prioritize that. But it's it's about a four hour. Some days it's less. Some days, you know, I look at the clock and I'm like, oh my god, it's six o'clock. You know, well we gotta we gotta get home from the game or get home from Huber school and we gotta figure things out. But I'd say on average about a four hour window. All right. Yep. Just you know, but it's it's not an emergency if it's a little no. a little later that day. It's no not. Big deal. And that's the greatest thing. I I really grew up thinking that I was gonna get a migraine and gonna get the shakes if I didn't eat. Um, in my family, we call it the hangries. You're hungry and you're angry. And a lot of my family members do get hangry. And I was so afraid of that. Like I lived in fear of being hangry that I was constantly made sure I had snacks and constantly eating. And it's freeing to know that I don't have that. That's not, absolutely. you know, that's not a concern of mine. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would tell someone that your body is capable of a lot more than a lot of us give us, give it credit for. Yeah. Your body does not require as much food as we, in our society, um, take in. I was absolutely amazed at how much I was eating off of my kids' plates. Oh Yeah. And if you, whether they're babies or toddlers, and there's this whole idea of, you know, you don't want to waste food. And I fully appreciate that. Things are expensive. Life is expensive. You don't want waste. But I, if you look at how many times I finished their chicken nuggets or their mac and cheese, in addition to eating my meal, I really wasn't in touch with my own emotions or my own body or my own hunger. So I would tell someone to just have faith, have faith in your body, have faith in the process, have faith in the science. It, it works. I also do believe that community is important. I didn't tell anyone that I was doing this. I have never actually verbally said it except for to one person, uh, a friend, a baseball friend of mine is kind of dabbling in it right now. And she and I talk about it, but my family doesn't really know so much. And I, 
I guess I'm a little afraid. You know, my siblings who don't live here and my nieces and my nephews, and I, I sometimes get a little nervous at family functions. So I would also maybe tell someone not to advertise it, but also not to hide it if you're in situations. Yeah. Well, share as it feels comfortable. And you also will know who is more likely to be receptive versus not. You know, if someone gives you a hard time for everything, maybe don't tell that person. <laughs> Yes. But you you know who would be receptive and who would not, right? But really the science behind it is there and yeah. you you have to just trust the process. And I think jumping in is great. I think oftentimes people's own mindset is what gets in their way. Absolutely, that is very true. Mindset is really like such an important factor. Everything I've I've read, there's science that backs that up. You know, if you think you're, if you think it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard. If you think you will fail, you will fail. If you think I can't make it till noon, you can't make it till noon. It's when you start. Like I remember when I was a teacher, and I'd be like, I might be hungry. I'm going to put something in my purse just in case. Well, guess what? All I was hungry. The time. Yep. Like, and if a mother said to the child. Go to school. If you don't feel well, you can call me and I'll pick you up. Guess what? That child was guaranteed to not feel well and call you. I mean, it's all but planted in your mind. But if you tell your mind you can, then you can. Exactly. The just-in-case bag. Oh, my God. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> you think about you're eating out of fear. Like, right. What, what will happen? Will I waste away? Yeah. If I don't have this, I might be hungry later. So you take it and you will be hungry later. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Jen, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. Thank you so much. This is amazing. Your podcasts are amazing. The community is amazing. It's just, it's a really, really positive endeavor. And I thank you for that. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But this story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground, and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app 
or on Apple Podcasts. 